You're listening to the Evolving Truths Podcast, featuring mother-daughter hosts, Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, where honest and vulnerable conversations about personal growth create a connection between all of us. You're invited to experience the transformation that occurs when we allow the truth of who we are to evolve. Hello, you beautiful heart and soul. Welcome back. This is the Evolving Truths Podcast, and my name is Alexis Ray. With me, as always, is my mama, Shannon Day. Hey, mom. Hey, Alexis. And this is the season opener for season three. (laughs) It is. How are you doing, mom? I'm good. I can't believe we're starting season three. Girl, me either. The fact that we have made it to season three, the fact that we are coming up on our one-year anniversary, I'm so proud of us. I think it's been a fun adventure and looking forward to this season. We've had a couple weeks off. Is there anything you Uh, want to share with the Evolving Truths fam bam? Like, what's up? did Did you just call the community the fam bam? Yeah, I did. Because when you say Evolving Truths community, sometimes in my mind, I go back to your bestie being like, you sound like you're trying to start a cult. And I'm like, I'm not trying to start a cult, Barbara. Thank you for that. So that's when I really started trying to just be like, okay, when we are talking to you, beautiful listener, and maybe we are the Evolving Truths fam bam, I don't know yet. Okay. That works for me. I feel a t-shirt. Oh, girl, Um, that's a good idea. I got to have a couple fun trips last month, going to Maine, going to Acadia National Park. It was winter, it was cold, and still beautiful. And then a week visiting you. And since you aren't moving and didn't have to leave your apartment, we really just got to chill for the week. So that was super fun. I just finished a week of pet and house sitting for four Frenchies. That was an amazing experience. Frenchies are their own breed. Like, obviously, all dogs are their own breed. They were so cute, so much personality, and four of them. So I am happy to be home. I'm happy to be sitting here chatting with you. What's been going on in your world? What would you say if I got a Frenchie? (laughs) Well, the people that I was watching the dogs for, one of them is pregnant. And so... You're thinking you want a Frenchie when they have those puppies. You just bring yourself out to Colorado and check them out and see what you think. Okay. We'll also, keep that. I say no dogs. Oh, yeah. I'm at least a year away from being anywhere close to being ready for a, jo- a dog. Excuse me. And if in a year, or I guess I could just say this, like in a year, it would be a freaking dream goal that... I am living internationally and just working from my laptop. Oh, I like this plan. Then in that case, I would say definitely no dogs. I mean, you could travel with it, but that's a lot of work. Exactly. So So, much Okay. Noted. April 2024. Hashtag life goals. But circling back to the dog thing, Frenchies love it because one of my besties here in Arizona has one. Shout out to Teddy and Nicole. I have fallen in love with little teddy bear and he makes me want a Frenchie, except I have decided that I would want like a miniature Frenchie. Is that a thing? Yeah. They're like half the size and that is what I would want. I mean, these dogs legs were like barely this, like I'm showing it to you 
those listening can't see this, but they're these tiny little legs. I don't know how they could get much smaller, they but can. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. And I think they're cute. And I feel like a miniature Frenchie would be proportionate to my body size. That's funny. I like it. Oh my goodness. Stop it. These aren't just puppies. No girl. Ah, <sighs> oh, that is amazing micro french bulldog or teacup frenchies okay so teacup and micro i think would be too small that's what she said but oh my goodness anyways (laughs) let's get back on topic sorry i'm going way down the frenchie rabbit hole my update for the last couple of weeks has been figuring out how to stay in arizona and that's a process I've still been playing with my medication, times of day to take it, all that kind of stuff. Have some doctor appointments coming up, staying active in treatment, and just continuing to keep doing the best I can with what I got. Yeah, that's what we have to do day to day. Uh, And when we're going through things that are challenging, we find we have to focus on that even more. And when your health is the thing that is your challenge... Everything else becomes an even harder challenge because Mm -hmm. I'm having to take into account stuff that I never used to think about or the average healthy person doesn't have or anyone not living with chronic symptoms, chronic pain, chronic conditions, chronic health things. It's, It's just another layer that is hard and there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. We've often seen memes or hear people say when someone treats you a certain way in public or acts a certain way, and we want to react to that in a negative way, make comments or whatever, we have no clue what's going on in someone's life, like none. And recognizing too that there are those, I guess what you call invisible things that people deal with that others don't see. So it is just a really good reminder of grace for ourself and grace for others. Totally. And then when someone throws shade at a person living with or dealing with an invisible chronic symptom or illness, it's just so irritating. For example, the medication that I'm on right now, a side effect I've been struggling with is drowsiness and body weakness. And so I'm sleeping a lot. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, well, I've started adjusting the time of day that I take the meds. And although I'm still experiencing fatigue, it's nice to wake up and not feel like I can't get out of bed because I feel like I need to go back to sleep. And they just chuckled and were like, oh, I feel that way every single day. Like I wake up and I'm still tired and feel like I could go back to sleep. And it's like, okay, thanks. Like, thanks, bro, for just completely dismissing, invalidating everything that I had to say. And if you were going to tell me how I'm just another person dealing with the same thing that everyone else is dealing with, then don't even ask me. And that's just one example. I've had other people ask me, be like, oh, are you retired? No, I have been sitting in my bed for the past seven months, like 
do not throw that my way because what you see now is me sitting by the pool. Like, get that the out of here. And I'm, I got really worked up about this. I apologize. I'm not going to apologize for getting worked up, but because clearly this is something that I have a lot of feelings about, but like, damn. Maybe this should be our topic today. I mean, it can be. Frustrations of when living with a chronic illness. Yeah. Or just that a chronic illness isn't a death sentence. It isn't a life ending diagnosis, even though when you're going through it and you're living with it, it feels that way. It's April right now and April marks seven months that I have been dealing with this. And I had someone ask me the other day, how long have you been in Arizona? It's been a year. You know, you're just getting settled. I'm like, yeah. But if you think about of those 12 months that I've been here, seven of them have been dealing with this, which means that I really had like four months of being okay. Like I'm four months into living in Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. But that's really not what we were going to talk about today. I guess I'm like, we're here. Why not? Okay. So what are things that, so from what you said, it seems to me, this is what's on your mind right now. So let's have the conversation. You highlighted something too, that's important for all of us to remember when someone makes a comment about how they're doing, especially if we've asked someone, how are you, <laughs> right? And they are a friend and someone we have connection with, then listen to the answer and maybe pause for even 10 seconds before responding and recognize that always just going, oh yeah, I get that. I deal with that. And, I, and I'm just saying this in general, not even chatting with someone who's dealing with chronic symptoms like you are or chronic, I don't know, would you call what you have a chronic illness or the symptoms of? Technically, a chronic illness or a chronic condition, there's two like definitions for it, an A or a B. And actually, I want to make sure I get this right. So hold on. Okay. So CDC defines chronic illness as any condition that lasts one year or more and requires ongoing medical attention is definition one. And then definition two is any condition that limits activities of daily living. And then definition three technically is both of those categories. So it lasts more than a year, requires ongoing medical attention, and limits daily living is the third. And Based on that, I 100% put myself in that category, and I would actually put myself in the chronic health category because after the accident, I was living with limitations or adjusting, adapting to life after the accident. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, to answer your question, I do put myself in that category. Okay. I guess I'm saying this just from a standpoint of all of us being better listeners and friends is just even in general conversation, right? Thinking about what we say, recognizing if we do have those in our life that are dealing with 
anything, but in your case, a chronic illness where symptoms are affecting their daily living, then just taking time to be even more thoughtful about what we say and recognizing that your challenge of getting out of bed in the morning is more so than those of us that aren't dealing with that. So I think that's a good reminder. And I'm going to go back to that piece of, we don't know what people are dealing with and just being more aware of that. So I think to me, that's one thing we can take from this. I know I've endeavored to be more thoughtful about questions that I ask you or things that I say in response to something you share with me and have made sure you know that I'm open, that if I say something and it hits you wrong, letting me know and letting me know right away and making sure that I don't get my, my, my hackles up, you know, like when dogs see someone or whatever and how like their, their fur raises on the back of their back, like, like I was just, you know, whatever, like, I'm like, okay, great. Thanks for pointing that out. Right. And then it's something that hopefully I remember not saying I'm always going to keep it. And you might have to remind me again, but do you find that helpful? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head of being a good listener and This is just conversation across the board. But when someone shares something with you about themselves, oftentimes the normal response is to try and relate to them by sharing an experience in your life of, oh, yeah, that reminds me of this. And then it's a story about you. Whereas being an active, attentive listener in a two-part conversation with someone and they share something about themselves with you, it will feel more validating to that person sharing if you can just say, wow, thank you for sharing that with me. I can't imagine how challenging that must be for you or that must be really difficult. Would you tell me more about what that's like for you? And staying with the attention on them so that they can continue to tell you about that experience and just realizing that it's not your turn right now. I understand human conversation enough that most of the time when people are taking the wind out of your sails or invalidating you, I don't know that it's really malicious. Like it's not the intention. They're probably just trying to relate. But the way it makes that person feel or me feel in my experiences is gives me the impression that now this is no longer a person that I can share this with. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to because it's like you just relinquished your privilege to hear my personal experiences because I can't trust you with them. Mm -hmm. Oof relinquished your privilege of hearing my personal experiences. We should all carry that. We are all precious. And yeah, those that we let into our lives and share our experiences with should be grateful for that. I like that. I like that. It's a privilege. I was recently in my brain injury support group and the understanding of who we share And what we share with those people came up. And one of the facilitators shared an analogy or like a symbol to help understand the concept. An analogy. Okay. 
So she shared an analogy and she pulled up on the Zoom screen a picture of a target. The very middle is a bullseye. Then there's like a small ring around it. Then a slightly larger ring. And, you know, the target continued to get larger and larger. And she said, we can think of our relationships like a target. Our innermost closest relationships fall in the innermost part of the target. So the bullseye and then the circle like immediate around it. Not everyone belongs in that inner circle and that's okay. The next circle of the target may be very trusted friends, but perhaps not those who we can confide everything in. Moving out, we may have friends who we don't share much with, but we still care for. Further out from there are those who we consider acquaintances or distant family members we love, but we continue to not share as much with. Again, that's all okay. It's just where they land on the target. The outside of the circle are those who have earned to be there or are those who have maybe not earned to be there, but they're there or they exist, but we choose not to associate with them because of past experiences. So that's like the breakdown of the target analogy. I like that. Also, I'm going axe throwing this weekend, and now every time that my axe lands on the board, depending where it lands, I'm probably going to have this picture in my head. Names might even come to mind. Who knows? I was going to say, it'll be people's faces. Is that a good thing or not <laughs> I mean, a good thing? I'm going more with, I'm not going to be aiming for it. More just like when it hits somewhere, I might be like, oh, so-and-so. Like, I don't know. Or maybe by Sunday, I will have totally forgotten this conversation, and I won't think about any of it. So who knows? I also just want to say that this concept of the target and the concept of understanding who has earned the privilege to hear your story has taken me a long time to not just grasp, but implement also. And I feel like it's something that I continually have to reiterate to myself and understand and know that people can also move around within their relation to me like maybe someone's close to me right now and then because of distance or time or investment into each other they move more to the acquaintance or periphery and vice versa like maybe someone's on the periphery and then they really show up for you and somehow over time in investment into your life that's mutual they end up moving into that closer circle. She like my axe throwing experience. <laughs> yeah. It goes from out far to into the bullseye. Is that what you're my, saying? Yeah. My axe hits all over that target. I love that. But I just, I think it's really important to say that that's something that is an ongoing practice, not just for myself, but I think it's just the human element of understanding like, oh, I feel hurt that this person didn't show up for me. Okay, great. I can acknowledge that and I can just say this is now no longer a person that I have to feel like I go above and beyond for. Like I'm willing to put in as much effort as this other person, like vice versa. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but mm -hmm. it's something that I've had to work on because I used to think that everyone was in the inner circle and it, life is just really not like that. That is true. Okay, moving on from the target. <laughs> We've discussed a little bit about things that aren't helpful. What would you say are things in your experience that you have found helpful? And since you just shared 
that you are in, is it a brain injury support group that you refer to it? Okay. Maybe obviously respectful of confidentiality, but things that you've learned from that, that others have found helpful. Like what do you find helpful? That's a really great question. It's hard to find the silver lining in a lot of these circumstances, but I know that they're there. Things that do feel helpful. Can you give me like a little bit more context? Because I could say if someone could go to the grocery store for me, that could be very helpful. And that is outside of the fact that I have a loathing for the grocery store. And <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know if you can pull the grocery store no. card because you've never liked going to the grocery store. <laughs> 100%. But it has more to do with this most recent set of circumstances where the grocery store has been extremely overstimulating. It's too bright. It's too loud. Having to make decisions within the grocery store is an entirely other process. So in my time of need, like that would have been something that could have really been helpful to me. Versus anyone to do that for you? No. I think learning to ask for help is one of the biggest challenges in life for everyone regardless of gender, but I am going to say, I think women a lot of times carry that a lot more because we also have this piece around us that asking for help makes us weak. Again, with other, with the male gender, I get that they have that too, but in a different way, right? Like women are fed this message that they can do everything. You can have a career. You can be a mom. You can be like, you can do, no, no, we can't. And it's exhausting, but also recognizing that's okay. We we don't have to. And getting confident enough, comfortable enough for ourselves to ask for help. And one of the things that I always think about with this is if someone reached out to us and said, hey, I could really use help with X. If that were within our power to do it for that person, we would do it, Right. Yeah, I think that speaks to like the personalities you and I are. Yeah, yet for us to ask or say to someone else, then that becomes really difficult thing to do. But not to invalidate your grocery store experience, but I'm just saying I get the added pieces to it now because of what you're doing with, but you've always hated the grocery store. And you know, you've been told this, order that stuff online and just go pick it up. I know we can really go down the rabbit hole on this. There have been times in the last seven months that like I couldn't even I was not capable of putting in an Instacart order. And did I directly ask someone to go get me groceries? No, but I did directly ask a friend of mine here in Arizona, hey, it would be really helpful if you could research a couple of like food preparation companies and just recommend one to me that seems the most cost effective with some healthy choices. And like, I will do that. Like I will pay for someone to deliver my meals. They're like, yep, no problem. Never heard back. I didn't follow up, but I'm not going to follow up on something when they've asked me, what can I do for you? That would be helpful. I felt like I pretty explicitly explained a task and then it was never done. Mm -hmm. 
And then that same person, when I was having conversations with them of, hey, I think I'm going back to Colorado. I feel like I need some additional support. They tell me, well, have you asked for help here? Like, I don't feel like you've leaned on me that much throughout this process. Meanwhile, the one task I did specifically ask them to help me with never went anywhere. So the asking for help thing is very challenging. And I would straight up recommend if you are someone supporting a person who is going through something, it could be a recent pregnancy and childbirth. It could be a death or a loss in the family. It could be any other thing. Don't offer help unless you actually have the intention of following through because I feel like that does more damage to the relationship and to the dynamic. Now I feel like I'm definitely not going to come to you. I can't trust you to follow through. And it makes me more irritated than anything. Yeah. So noted, if we offer help, one, if the person asks us for something we're not able to do, then being honest about that. And two, if we say we're going to do it, then do it. And if we don't, I guess, own that and follow back up with that. 100%. Or, hey, I'm really sorry. I forgot about this. I'll get it done. Or I know I dropped the ball on this. Is there something else I can support you with? Has anyone gotten this covered for you? I don't know. (laughs) So no, I didn't directly ask someone to pick up my groceries or help me Instacart or to go to the grocery store for me, but I do feel like I made one attempt. And maybe it's on me for only making one attempt with one person, but at the same time, just making that one attempt was so far outside of my comfort zone, but also hook up so much of my bandwidth at that moment in time. I'm pretty sure I made that request in November. That was only two months into everything. Mm -hmm. When I asked you if you asked anyone for help with grocery shopping, I want to make sure as as we have this conversation that there's nothing in this that's coming across as victim blaming, like not blaming you of this is your fault because you didn't ask anyone. But I do think for all of us, that's a good reminder of our friends aren't mind readers, right? You just gave a good example of actually, I did do this reach out and then the experience didn't go like, you know, I would have liked it to. And I feel like when something like that happens, it then makes you more hesitant to ask that person for anything and to ask for help in general. Right. And so being able for ourselves even to work through those times when asking for help didn't exactly turn out like we thought it would. I've had that too. And I'm definitely with you where there have been times I've said to my friends, like, you know, I rarely feel like I need to ask for things or need people to be okay with me not being okay. And then when I am, how uncomfortable it makes everyone else. And I need you to be aware of that and know that. And then things just kind of go back how they are anyway, right? Yeah, they go back to the way that they always were. Thanks for naming that. I don't feel like it's victim blaming, especially in this conversation, because we are having such a candid dialogue about it. Thank you for naming that. Also, I hope for you listening that it's not coming across of like, oh, don't don't offer to help. Oh, don't reach out because that does go a long way. Like one, I think one of the things that gets taken for granted is 
checking on someone, even when they're not capable of texting you back, calling you back, messaging you back on social media, even just dropping them a note, hey, thinking of you, let me know if there's something I can do that would feel supportive. Let me know what would be supportive. Even if it takes them two weeks to get back to you, a month to get back to you, that still means so much to the person who you're sending that message to. It's really invaluable because whether you are living with chronic health conditions or symptoms or you're going through grief and loss or some other major life event, it's pretty likely that the person experiencing it is feeling isolated, is feeling singled out. And so to just not reach out is another thing that really hurts. And there's a saying that circulates around the chronic illness community. You find out who your true friends are when you get sick. And honestly, I think it's sad that that's the case. But at the same time, I can say in the last seven months that there are people who were in my closer circles that have now moved out to the periphery of my target because they didn't show up. And showing up could have been as simple as, hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. The other day I was having a conversation with my mom. It's been almost three years since my dad passed. And she said she hates getting the question of how are you doing? Still three years later, she's like, I hate that question. And so I find myself, even with you, a lot of times and with her, instead I'll text what's happening in your world today. Just thinking of a different way to phrase that question. Or like you said, just saying, thinking of you. To your point of how important those reach outs are, even if people don't respond, it bothers me when people go, well, I was giving you space. I was getting, right? And to me, I mean, I'm going to say, I think that's a cop-out. Like, also, believe it or not, there's a thing that still exists. It's called the United States Postal Service. And (laughs) they have stamps. I get it. A lot of times people don't have people's addresses anymore, but that could be asked for. Just sending someone a card saying thinking about you, right? So I think for all of us, it's a good reminder to put that piece aside of I'm giving you space. We're uncomfortable reaching out in spaces of grief or when someone's dealing with the sickness or in your case, a chronic illness that's that's going to keep going for who knows how long. When someone else is uncomfortable, it makes us uncomfortable. And if we really do want to be friends for people and show up in those spaces, we need to be okay sitting in an uncomfortable space. 100%. As you were sharing that, I'm in complete agreement. And since this conversation started out with like you just trying said- to not- You said agreeance. I don't know if that's a word. Oh, okay. Well, I'm 100% agreeing with everything you just said. And as you were speaking, it made me think of another relatable rabbit hole that I'm going to keep this string going with, with friendship, if that's okay with you. Okay. But before we do that, I want to point out one other good thing. Years ago, when I was going through my divorce, someone sent me a text and she said, I recognize this is a really hard time for you. If there's anything that I can do, please let me. I have used that so 
many times. To me, that felt like such an open, gracious way of saying, I am offering you help. If there's something I can do, please let me help. I appreciated that a lot at that time and have definitely used that. Oh, I love that. And you've shared that with me before. And I feel like I've tried to integrate that into my life too, because when we're in those moments or those seasons, I do think that it's normal to not know what you need. Mm-hmm. You Not only is it difficult to ask for help, but you don't even know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I had gotten a text of, hey, if there's something I could do, please let me. Maybe that opens the door just enough for someone to be able to say, if you could just come over and help me figure out what I need, we'd be at a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Rabbit hole number two. All right. Something with chronic health specifically or illness. I'm going to keep tying it into grief or loss because it's different, but they're both so drastic that I feel like they're parallel in their own ways. And ongoing. And it still ties into friendship, but... You bond with people at certain times in your life because you have things in common with them. And then when, in my case, so I'll continue to speak to this experience, your health changes and now I don't drink. But the group of people that I used to do a lot of stuff with goes to happy hour or they go to sporting events. I used to love going to live sporting events. That was my jam. At this point now, seven months later, like I'm not ready to go try going to a sporting event. I'm coming up. I'm a few months away from one year of no alcohol. That's different and changes. So in your friendships, like you have both parties, not just the person whose life has changed, but the other people who used to associate with you, everyone needs to evaluate is this a relationship that I'm willing to find new common ground with this person because I do love and care about them. I am invested in this relationship. I want it to continue to be a two-way street or nope, that one thing that we had in common went away and now it's just not like that anymore. I don't know that I really have much to say to that because I think that's very true. I think this is true also for people who decide not to drink anymore, period. You've discussed why you've chosen not to or what's led to you not drinking. And who knows, maybe for other reasons, you still would have chosen this. Then it is finding those friends in your friend group that your friendship was more than happy hour. Your friendship was more than going to a basketball game. And if it's not with those people, then it is that work now of finding others. And going through a little bit of a grieving process with those friends, I guess, for yourself. The other circumstance that really comes to my mind is a parent losing a child who potentially probably had a lot of other parent friends. I couldn't even imagine having to go through that circumstance. I've known of a few people that have, but that's something that will forever change you. And I don't know that you ever come back from that loss, but if you're not the person experiencing it, choosing to still invest in them goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. And then grieving it. I mean, anything with chronic illness, loss, there is a grief 
There is the cycle of grief. I've had to learn how to let go of my old idea of what I thought my life was going to be. And I've had to practice that in relationships. I've had to practice that in career. And now I've had to practice that in my health and like my actual body. And dude, that sucks. My visits with you have adjusted and changed from when I was there, when you had first moved there, we'd get up super early in the morning and go hiking and then go to the pool and do some work. We just have a day like, here's all the things we're going to do. Whereas now let's take our time getting up and not as early, but then let's just go walk. This last time when I was there, we had some days where we just binged shows and slept in, took some time to just go out and sit by the pool and just how much that's adjusted to your point. If that friendship is important to you, being okay to make your adjustments. So again, back to the communication. This is so funny. I was going to send this to you. Someone I follow on Instagram the other day, she goes, why on earth are you willing to exchange bodily fluids with someone and not talk to them about the exchange or what or or how it is you'd like it to be, right? Yeah. So again, in this case, this this episode's gonna have to be explicit, but a little to the left, stronger, softer, faster, harder, like whatever, right? But it just struck me so much. I didn't even listen to the whole thing or read the whole thing, but I was like, that is so true. You are willing to be naked with this person and in the most intimate and vulnerable space. Granted, it could just be a bang it out session, but willing to exchange bodily fluids with someone and yet not speak to it, right? I know not what we're talking about, but I'm saying this from a space of communication and just how important it is in all areas of life. Our friends are not mind readers. Yep. Your lover is not a mind reader. And unless you tell them what you want, how you want it, when you want it, you're never going to get your needs met. Right. Communication. Key. Key in all things. Another thing that is helpful and supportive is, I have to think about it for a second because I know that I have another one teed up. I do want to circle back to what you said about how your trips here have changed a lot. And it was so nice this last time you were here that we got to have like a little staycation for me and like a restful vacation for you because we didn't have to go to like a ton of appointments. And I wasn't in a crisis mode. Like at this point, my symptoms are under control, but just how nice it was to like chill. Yeah, it was nice. I read a book. And sit by the pool. Oh, that was something else. Earlier you said you never know what the battles are that other people are facing. And yesterday I put a post on my Instagram story that just said like seven months ago, I couldn't even open the blinds in my room. And now I'm just grateful that I can sit outside. So if you see my story and think like, oh, how lucky she is or must be nice or any other type of comment might come into your mind. Like you have no idea how grateful I am to sit outside, but it's just staying grateful and remembering that people are 
always fighting battles that you know absolutely nothing about. So like, just be nice. I think I've said this now already maybe twice. So I'll say it again. Grace for ourselves. Grace for others. Amen. Okay, things that are helpful. Offering to help with something and then following through. Listening and actually continuing to keep the topic on whatever that person is sharing with you until it's your turn to relate (laughs) or until the conversation like takes a turn. Understanding the friendship target. There's people that are close to you and then there's people that are more periphery and that they can all move around or jump around. The last thing, if you are living with a set of circumstances that have completely altered your life, getting into community with other people that you can relate to. I mentioned that I'm in a brain injury support group. I've started following more Instagram accounts and plugging into different communities online that are specific to chronic illness, chronic health, more than just brain injury, because even though mine's brain injury and theirs might be POTS or something, there's still relatability to our experiences. So I would say community and getting in with other people that do know what you're talking about and what you're experiencing is huge. The fact that I get to show up to that meeting once a month is just so nice to be around people and to have other people explain things that you relate to as opposed to you always being the one explaining it to others. It's so validating, so reassuring. In my instance, it's been extremely isolating and to get to have that is a huge support. Yeah. I'm glad you remembered that because I do think that's very helpful. I have a good friend who cared for her husband who got diagnosed with brain illness relatively young in life. And she was a great model of getting into a caregiver's group. I've suggested that to others just because of how helpful that is, really being able to be in a space. Even if you have tons of other supports, I obviously am here to support you, but I can't understand and know everything you're going through. It's like, that's important for everyone. Just knowing that you don't have to do it alone is huge. Thank you for sharing that, Alexis. Yeah. And for you listening, I hope you know that mom and I are honored to be in community and connection with you. I know it's through this podcast, but we're here. That's why the website is there, evolvingtruthspodcast.com. There's a form at the bottom of it that you can fill out. We have evolvingtruthspodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email directly because we are not alone. Whatever your story is, whatever your experience is, wherever you are located in the world, we are here to have these sometimes tough, sometimes not tough, just funny and weird conversations about life experiences. And I really do feel like it's an honor to get to share this time with you. Agreed. Thank you for inviting us into your lives and being part of ours. Way to kick off season three with another curveball of not at all what we were planning for this episode (laughs) to be. So it's still just a candid conversation. As always. Till next time.
If mom and I are totally your cup of tea, please follow the show wherever you are listening. Leave a five-star rating if you can. Leave a review because that helps more people find us. Share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. Just hit that little arrow square thing and send them the episode. They'll appreciate it. And we will be back next week. Until then. Please remember, life is beautiful and you create the magic. Have a good one. Connect with Shannon and Alexis and the Evolving Truths community by visiting evolvingtruthspodcast.com. Links are in the show notes. The artwork for this project was created by Julie B. Salazar and is entitled Celebration from the Inner Landscape Print Series. The Evolving Truths podcast is produced and edited by Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, recorded from the Corner Studio in conjunction with Alexis Ray Enterprises, LLC.